Hey guys, welcome back to another episode of Me and My Broke Best Friend. We are so happy that you decided to tune in with us tonight. Hit subscribe if you haven't subscribed already and stay tuned. Hey, hey, this is your girl, Ray. I am here alone tonight. You'll notice that as our podcast grows, you will have some episodes with myself and Sanai, and then some episodes you will have with Sanai alone, and then you will have quite a few with with myself alone and with other mothers. Um, so tonight I wanted to speak to you about mental illness. So everybody just like I am. <laughs> I'm not um, a psychologist. I am not a psychiatrist. I am not even a counselor. Um, I am a woman um, of a certain age. No, I'm joking. <laughs> I'm a woman who um, has decided to take my diagnosis and make it known, and make it known for people, men, women, who feel like they cannot have this diagnosis and still love God, okay? So let me tell you, um, I have always had a chemical imbalance. I have known I've had a chemical imbalance um, since I was very young. I was actually talking to my godmother the other day, and she was like, you know, you used to just cry. And I was like, what? And she was like, yeah, you would just cry. And we, you know, I would ask you, what's wrong? And I had no answer for her. Um, But that must have, that had to obviously come out of being comfortable with her. Um, I know I more than not never really cried at home. That wasn't really, that wasn't really something we did. That wasn't really a thing. Um. So when I was at her house, I may have cried, but I literally do not remember. Like, I have no recollection um, of that. But it made perfect sense because one of my most prevalent memories uh, is at 16. I was in the car with my mom, and I just started crying. And I think she was dropping me off at my job. I worked for Safeway. Um, Oh, my gosh, y'all. I was a courtesy clerk. Listen, in the snow, in the rain, in the heat, carrying people's groceries into their car like craziness. You know, I had to get out of there quickly. I do not like, I don't like, do not like summer. I hate the heat. Um, So I quickly... Um, replaced that job with a job at Baker's. Do you guys remember Baker's? Oh my gosh, it's so awesome. So anyway, um, I remember just crying and my mom was like, what is wrong? What is wrong with you? And I was like, I don't know. And she was like, you don't know? I was like, yeah, mom, I don't know. And she was like, well, stop then. And I know my mother loves me, um, but that was just another example of her teaching me to be strong, teaching me to be in control of my emotions, right? 
And I just could not stop. When I finally pulled myself together, I committed to not letting that happen again. Right. So I wouldn't lose myself in front of anyone again. So that was at 16. Anyway, fast forward. When I got to college, um, I was put on meds and I took them pretty sporadically. And um, I got pregnant with with my oldest. When I got pregnant with her, I had to stop taking the medicine. Right. And so then I think back, I don't know, maybe back then they didn't have medicines that people with who were pregnant would take. Well, I was high risk. So that may be why they were like, no, we're not adding anything else. I'm not sure. But I had to stop taking my medicine when I was pregnant with with Sinai, my best friend. Um, and so, but after that, I started taking my medicine again. Um, and her father and I, Sinai's um, biological father, is from a previous relationship. Um, he and I were together um, in college. And after school, we had her and we lived together. Well, when I left him, um, the relationship went sour. I left him, moved back in with my mom. When I left him, I was still taking my medicine, right? Um, I accepted Jesus as my savior that July, July of, I want to say 20, uh, 2006. Well, when I did though, I stopped taking my medicine and I was like, you know, I'm not going to take this medicine anymore. I'm going to, um, commit myself to the Lord. I'm not going to, um, allow myself to be overtaken by my feelings and emotions. Um, and you know, well, some of you know, and some of you may not know, but when you are a believer, you grow in the scriptures, you grow in understanding what the scriptures say and what the teachings are. And so as you grow, you take those things on, you take the word on, you begin to believe that, right? And so one of the things that, um, scriptures that was huge for me was that God was the Prince of Peace. Now, let me tell you, my mind has always been, I mean, I've always been an overthinker, over planner. Um, I've always been and not planner in the sense of pen to paper, but more so very strategic thinking. Before I do things, I I will calculate the cost, even if it's something I shouldn't do, which is pretty sad. But I count the cost. I go all the way through it. Um, and so my mind is always racing. So when I read that he was a prince of peace, that was something that resonated well with me. That was something I wanted. That was something um, I knew I needed. So that was probably one of the first things that I took on as my own. Um, And so I stopped taking my medicine. Well, I stopped taking my medicine and I, listen, (laughs) 
I thought everything was fine. Like, everything is okay, you know? I don't have any problems. I'm not having any flare-ups. I don't need anything. I'm doing well. Unbeknownst to me, I was not doing well. My marriage was falling apart. I was not the person um, that I thought I was. I made really awful decisions. Um, and it was just, I was not in a place where I thought I was. I was delusional. I thought I was um, in one place and, and I just wasn't. And um, I thought that I had um, captured a level of, hmm, control, a level of control over my life, really, um, that I had begun to refrain from certain things, right? But I still had a lot of hurt, a lot of pain, a lot of anger, a lot of disappointment. Um, and so I was still pretty closed off. Um, around that same time, I was blessed to be um, accepted by my spiritual dad. And he became a very instrumental part in my growth in Christ, um, he and my husband. And so, you know, again, I'm, I'm, I'm not on this medicine. I am done, right? I'm off. I'm off. I mean, years go by, okay? And I have a little baby girl. We have our second. We have her. And I lose it. Like, my mind is not together, okay? It's not together. My husband had to reach out to um, one of the elders at our church. And, I mean, I was not okay. And um, and I trusted her. You know, I felt comfortable with her because she was not just an elder at our church, but she was also my dad's sister, my spiritual dad's sister, right? So we had a very close relationship. So I was comfortable with her knowing what was going on and how I was basically losing my whole mind. Um, and so that was something we worked through, kept it moving right through life, right? No meds, kept going, kept moving. And as time went on, life did what it does, right? It threw curves, curveballs at me. Um, and I was not dealing with them properly. Um, in fact, I would say I was not dealing with them mm, maybe at all. I carried around a lot of guilt um, from things I did before I was saved. I carried around an enormous amount of guilt for stupid things I did. Um, after I had gotten saved, I was very self-righteous. I was the kind of person who would, um, like I could forget, I could see how you made a mistake, right? Like a friend could make a mistake or, um, someone else, right? They could make a mistake. And I, oh my gosh, baby, it's okay. God is forgiving. He is, he's sovereign. He's wonderful. And then I would coach you, right, through moving through that. However, if I made a mistake, it was no one could 
bash me or correct me on the level that I would bash or correct myself. Um, it was like, you know, you know better. Why would you do that? How dare you? Like, when are you going to grow up? Like, very, very, very awful self-talk. I mean, just, just abusive, really, right? Um, so, moved on, and like I said, was not dealing with things, was kind of just putting things behind me, would just keep moving, keep going, keep going, and I mean, I was dealing with so much, I was dealing with disappointment and hurt in ministry, I was dealing with disappointment and hurt in my family, I was dealing with disappointment and hurt in my marriage, I was dealing with disappointment and hurt with myself, oh my gosh, I was dealing with disappointment and hurt um, in friendships, and it was wild because for a long time, I kept making myself believe I deserved it. This is wild, right? Like I deserve to be treated in a way that was hurtful. So I want to get into that, but we're going to take a short, short break and we'll come back and discuss the how I deserved <laughs> or thought I deserved to be treated. I don't know if I should say treated like crap. Not really treated like crap because we teach people how to treat us, right? Anyway, we'll be back in a moment. <laughs> All right, welcome back, guys. We were talking about how I believed I deserved um, to be, to feel pain or hurt from my relationships. So, I know that um, there are many of you who feel like you have been hurt. You know what? I have maybe hurt some of you, and I apologize. If you are listening and I have hurt you and I have disappointed you, I have abused our relationship, I have overlooked you, um, I apologize. Please forgive me. Um, that is not who I am or what I want to be about. Pain is something that we don't give enough credence to, I don't think. I think that we, so there are people who, right, like want to have this pity party, right? But then there are people who constantly brush off the pain. And that's who I was. I don't believe that's healthy either. And I had a friend who will always tell me, feel how you feel, feel how you feel. And I don't think, I believe I was afraid. Afraid to feel how I felt. Because that would mean things would have to change, right? So as you start to get older, for me anyway, when I I felt myself changing and as I felt myself changing I felt I started to believe more about what 
the word of God said about me, right? And so I started to study on my own, like study on a, uh, I don't know, like just on a different level. I don't want to say different level, like that sounds extra deep, but probably not, not really on a different level, but I would say deeper, more consistently, more, um, I became more entrenched, you know what I mean? So it was, it was a thing where I had been telling myself all of these awful things, right? So when other people would tell me or treat me in an awful way, it lined up, right? So I felt like I deserved it because it's also what I thought about myself. So it wasn't a conflict of interest, right? However, as I started to grow and get older and watch my my life around me and see myself um, losing people who I loved and seeing my children grow up and I'm very cautious, I won't speak about this in another episode, but I am very cautious about what I say around them, what I say to them, how I speak to them. What things I allow them to be privy to, I'm, we are, my husband and I, we are very, very um, cautious. We are very serious about that, right? So as I started to see them getting older and started to see how with all of my flaws, they adored me and needed me, right? Like, our children need us and it made me think about even myself as a kid like I it didn't matter what my mom and I went through I loved my mom I was not gonna leave my mom I was not going to trade her in for anyone else I was not ever going to um, leave her to figure out things on her own um my that was my girl right like we didn't really have like the strong mother-daughter relationship we had more of a very close friendship right and that was just one of the things so when I think about when I begin to think about how my mother spoke to me um about having children so once I had my children my mother and I had to sit down and we talked about my having girls and the first three children we had were girls so this was before my son was born or before we even um, were pregnant with my son my mother and I sat down and we had this really awesome talk and I believe you know what no we were it was the night of my son's baby shower that's what it was and we had it was the night of his baby shower and we had the most honest the most um, enlightening conversation just full of humility conversation that we probably have ever had okay so in this conversation my mother was just talking to me and she was telling me you know you have to protect what your children think of you and protect what they believe you think of them baby listen when that lady said that to me, it was like 
it was like all types of bells went off, right? Like I have to protect what they think of me and protect what they believe I think of them. Okay, fast forward me noticing all of these sour or toxic relationships or behaviors that didn't coincide with how I was growing, right? So I started to look at different situations and and say to myself, you know, I don't deserve that anymore, right? Like I don't, I don't treat you that way. um, And I don't have to be in this relationship where you get to treat me that way right like this is all optional you know when you get a job (laughs) I used to be um management when I was in corporate so listen we there was a (laughs) you all know this too there's a place on the application or or it's on application or is it on your offer letter I can't even really remember but anyway we have all signed it and we have all noticed it but it says that the company it'll say we right we are an at will employer (laughs) you are an at will employee right so you know what that means they can come in and fire you when they want right okay I don't they don't have to give you any notice it's nice when they do give you a little notice give you a little severance package and that's nice but they don't have to right so That's kind of the mindset I started to think about my relationships. Like, these are at-will relationships. I don't have to have you in close-knit with me, close relationship with me. I don't. I don't have to. So, that kind of started the, the, the real self-reflection and my looking at myself and seeing things that I I didn't like, seeing things I hadn't noticed that I had slipped out of or slipped into and um, things that I I genuinely loved about myself. And what happened is I found more things that I loved about myself than the things I didn't. Like, man, I like genuinely like me today I had not even realized that I don't think I liked myself previously you know when I look at different situations and different things because we treat we uh, we teach people how to treat us and when I start thinking about different relationships and situations and how I handle things I don't think I like myself. And so now, fast forward, like I said, now I'm I'm at a place, right, where I love me. Like, I love myself. And in falling in love with myself, I have realized that I am not well. Um, So my husband and I, well, okay, so... My pop, which is, he was a very close friend of mine. We'll get into this another show. I don't really want to get into that right now. But he and I were good friends. um, And I introduced him to my mom. And he and my mom um, began to date. And they eventually got married, right? So he was my stepdad slash pop slash my homie, right? So he and I were very close. 
So, um, so my pop and I, he was super dope. We were cool. Um, and he died. He was on life support for a while. We took him off life support. Um, they said he wouldn't have any, any sort of quality of life. He will always be there. Um, so we took him off, freed him from that. Um, and that was very hard for me. My dad, my spiritual dad was, was there, you know, he was, um, he was there when I allowed him to be there because I was very closed off. So he was there when I allowed him to be there, but it was something that, um, I mean, oh man, like my brother, one of my, um, my brothers came out the, came out and allowed the guys, um, my pop loved this group that they all were in um, called the Heavenly Sons. And they came and they wrecked it. And you guys, um, so it's the Heavenly Sons ha- has had a lot of series, right? Like Heavenly Sons 1.0, Heavenly Sons 2.5. So they've had like all of these variations of um, their group. It was started so many years ago. But um, the one variation with the guys that I met and grew up with in ministry. They're older than me, but um, I grew up in their company, right? And so they, my dad included, my one of my brothers um, is in that group. Um, they came and showed out at the funeral. Oh my gosh, they did a, an amazing, amazing job. My pop would have been so happy, but it was cool to share with people what he enjoyed. Anyway, not long after that, my husband and I hit this place. I mean, it was it was very bad. We will maybe one day I'll have him on the show and we will discuss this this time in our marriage. Um, but this hurt from those two situations I believe being so traumatic and so close together it like undid me like I was undone um but I had to keep performing right because I'm a mom right so I was in school at the time Um, I had to continue to go to school make great grades I had to be an incredible mom to my babies because that's all they knew I had to be an encourager to my mom because we had to take my mom in when my pop passed. Um, so I had to continue to encourage her. Um, my girlfriends were going through the different things at the time. It was just a really crazy time. Anyway, this period for me, the emotions I was toting around at, from these situations it kept getting worse like it was like yeah you know how you put um like black dye into water or black black ink and it starts like a little bit and then like it starts to make this really pretty shapeless form where it's kind of like filling the whole thing that's what I felt like and so Listen, year went by, two years go by. I'm like, wow, I am really, and I I saw myself 
no longer the woman I had been excited that God had changed me to. I still loved myself, but I was very guarded. I mean, extremely guarded. And we, you know, we started going to counseling and obviously with all of my emotional strains, I started to go to counseling um, on my own. We went every week. I went alone every week. Um, And so we carried this uh, and eventually he and I stopped going and I continued to go. Well, in these sessions, it came out that my therapist um, felt very strongly that I had more than a chemical imbalance, right? So I had my, my practitioner was um, following my um, behaviors. The neurologist was tracking my um hormones and and tracking the cells in my brain and what was the endorphins that would go off or not the um, levels of serotonin all of these different things like just stuff I just never really understood because I didn't really um, I didn't really embrace it yet without a solid diagnosis so I kind of let them do their thing well my therapist was very adamant about my finding a psychiatrist. That experience was bonkers. I'm not going into that tonight. That was crazy, y'all. Like, I can't even believe that people with mental illness have to go through the things they have to... Like, it is disappointing. Like, we we have much work to do in America. Like, I can't even... So anyway, I find my psychiatrist... I meet him for the first time and we talk for almost three hours and he formally diagnosed me with bipolar, derealization, and and you know, I always thought I had um, anxiety disorder. And he was like, no, you don't have, um, you don't have anxiety. You have control issues, which, which gives me, when I know I can't control, it gives me anxiety. So it's not that I had anxiety. It was like, you know, like my knowing or my even thinking so what I I have is I have where I would think of something that can happen right but probably would would never happen right like I am I would be consumed um so reverse that to when my pop was on life support all that was April the December before that I had not slept from the December to that April Right, I had not would go days without sleeping. Okay, my doctor then, you know, she was telling me, you know, you have you have dysthymia, and that is chronic depression. Right, mind you, I was, you know, hugging and kissing on the people and serving and going to everything and being there for everyone and taking care of my babies and babysitting other little children running my business running all over town um 
doing makeup, giving facials. I don't, um, I mean, just was going 190 miles an hour. Thought nothing of it, right? So when he diagnosed me, he diagnosed me with bipolar, with the strand of manic and dysthymia. So those are like the extremes of bipolar. So it's like the manic at the highest and dysthymia at the lowest, depression at the lowest. One day I'm going to tell y'all about some of the craziness I've done. Manic. Oh my gosh. Didn't even know I was manic. Like had no idea. But now I'm able to. Now I'm able to put a name to it and identify when I'm there. Right. So um, I was diagnosed with that and derealization. Derealization um, is something that is not often discussed and derealization is probably for me um the scariest of all of my diagnoses right so derealization depersonalization um the the internet I'm gonna tell you what I'm gonna read to you what it says depersonalization derealization disorder is an altered state of well of self-awareness and identity that results in a feeling of disassociation or separation from oneself one's surroundings or both Because it is normal to feel this way briefly and occasionally due to side effects of medication, recreational drugs, or some other physical or mental health condition, derealization, depersonalization is usually diagnosed only if such feelings of detachment frequently occur, cause anguish, or interfere with your quality of life. Okay. This is something that I had no idea. Um, like that I probably had had this all my life. Um, so what derealization does is it takes away or minimizes a lot of your sensation, right? Like so you cannot have the sensation of hunger. I can go days without eating. Right. Um, you won't have the sensation of needing sleep. You may be tired, but not have the sensation of needing sleep. Um, I, I told you before, I I do not. I pray for sleep. Right. Um, sleep is a luxury for me. Um, and that that is something that I pray gets under control really, really soon. Um, also, uh, thirst. Uh, your libido, your sense of touch. When people um, touch you, it can feel like almost nasty, almost like a disgusting kind of feeling, right? And so um, these, it's, and it's so much more. Like I can um, be in in a room and feel completely, detached from what's going on in the room 
Um, one of the things that broke my heart when I was before I was diagnosed and going back and forth was that I could be happy, right? Because I, I honestly have a beautiful life. Um, and you guys will hear and learn so much about my beautiful, I have a beautiful life. I have um, four incredible children. I have an older goddaughter who is rocking. She's amazing. I have two godchildren. Um, and then I have um my nephews and my nieces they are amazing like I really have a wonderful life right I get to stay home raise my children my business is doing well all of these different things so when I would be obviously we all have our trials I've just told you about some of mine right so we have those moments where we are not happy and we are not satisfied with our with our life and where we are and our tick mark on the time of where we are you know we all feel like I should be further along you know all of these different things but it overall I have a beautiful life right so there are times when as moms we are elated right like there are times when we see our children um, just playing in the grass and the sun is right and everything stops and you look at your children and you see miracles you see an amazing treasure in them and that gives your heart joy and peace and an overwhelming sense of happiness right okay I could be there I could completely feel that way right but my outer body would not display that So I could be happy about a situation or a thing or something said. And if my physical body did not display it, depending on who it was, I would have to fake it. Right? Like, oh my gosh, that's awesome. You know what I mean? Because I know that I'm in a place almost like a prison. Like, oh my gosh. Like almost like where where I would be looking through the bars at my life, right? And it looks great, but I'm trapped behind these bars where I can't dis- I can't express what I feel in my heart, right? So um, that began to get worse, and it caused me to detach from people. Um, um, I do a great job at isolating myself. I know my dad always say I shouldn't, but I do a great job at isolating myself. Um, and so what it became is it, it, it has become a chore almost to be around people and be honest, right? And just be my honest self wherever I am. So during this time when he gave me my diagnosis, everything started to kind of click, right? Like it started to make sense, just different things. You know, when you get your your car diagnosed or um, whatever, right? You start to like, oh, that was that, you know? You start to have that thought. So when he made the diagnosis, I was able to trace just about everything in my life at that time. I was just about able to trace it to a part of the condition or conditions, right? Okay. What I decided 
is that I would not continue to be a prisoner. I will not um, pretend anymore. Listen, listen, moms. I'm not pretending anymore and you don't have to either. We do not have to pretend to be okay. This is to dads too. Like we do not have to pretend to be okay. We don't have to pretend to have all of the answers. We don't, like this podcast, okay? I do not know what I'm doing per se, right? What I do know though is that I am willing to be honest. I am willing to be open. I am willing to be transparent. I am willing to answer your questions. I'm willing to give of myself. So, and, and, um, and kind of take the veil off of things that we have not been able to openly discuss, right? So one, I decided I'm no longer pretending. If I'm dealing with this daggone, all of these things, guess what? Everybody else around here is going to deal with these things too. So however I feel in that moment, it's going to be how I feel. With that being said, I take my medicine. So I don't mean in that lash out kind of way. That's not, (laughs) no, 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 you're not allowed to, (laughs) this is not a path to be a jerk. Like, don't be a Richard. That's not okay. No Richards, okay? What it means though, is in taking my medicine, sometimes that means I am physically unable to give a reaction to something, right? And so I'm very like dry, almost like, and some of you um, may be listening, may be on meds, um, antidepressants and um, chemical balancing uh, medications and things like that. So you may know what that's like. Um, And I'm a very creative person, but it almost like shuts me down. Um, I'm a very loving person. I love people. I love seeing people. Oh my gosh. Going to church. I love seeing my people at church. Like I just love it. But it, it it drains me. Right? Because I don't physically have it, but I have to pull it from somewhere because I am genu- genuinely happy to see them, right? And they deserve to know that. So I'm getting to um so what I'm getting to is kind of like it's kind of like almost like um talking backwards or whatever that is an instance where I try okay so that's at church I try and I try because I know what it takes for me to get to church right like every week I know what it takes for me and for the most part no one else knows and so when I see people that I'm excited and I'm grateful that they're there Because I imagine on some degree, on some level, they had to go through an enormous amount to get there as well. And I am happy to see them because I am looking at them in their face and saying, you won today. You know what I mean? You won. You got out of there. You got out of the house. You got here to this place. Even if it's just out of habit sometimes, right? Out of of ritual you got out of the house and got out of the bed. And for people with depression, it is difficult to get out of the bed. That is 
that is difficult. And people have no idea um, just how hard that is. Um, so I am, I, I really do, I really pull it together for for those people there. And then like, um, but like in my regular life, I really find myself being a lot more um, chill than I nor than I've been in my previous years, right? Like I'm pretty. Um, and this was something that hurt me. I am pretty much, you know, I'm pretty live, life of the party. And sometimes I'm still that, right? Like I'm still that, but more often than not. It's like when I want to be, my medicine is like, oh, hell no, nah. you better sit back, right? Like, <laughs> I want to be excited and loud and smiling and laughing. And my medicine is like, you're going to sit right here and you are going to doze off. You are, you are not going to do anything. So that's something that's hard. Um, and being diagnosed, I found out that a lot of my pain, I am in pain um, probably every single day of my life. Okay. Every day I have some level of pain. And so I've found out through my psychiatrist and my doctor, um, and I've gone to um, a specialized neurologist, and they've been able to explain to me how my condition can cause my body to hurt my joints my my muscles and things like that to hurt so if you are a parent who deals with any of these things that I have spoken about listen let's not be ashamed anymore I felt so terrible initially that I was like how am I because when I first got the diagnosis I was like I had been praying and I was like, you know, Lord, please heal me. I mean, I started taking communion and, and I already um, kind of was in like a place. And if you super holy and you have never had a problem with God and you've accepted everything he's done with a flag and balloons and confetti, then that's fine. I have not. Um, I was very disturbed um, when um, God allowed my marriage to take the turn that it did. And then, um, and so that really put me in kind of like a weird space, right? Then that was kind of like one of those things where I was like, all right, you want, you know, you want me, it's just you and I, that's cool, right? And then it was like, oh, except you're having me diagnosed with all this stuff. Like, it was like, I thought we were cool, you know? And so, um when I was diagnosed it was like I had to stop so much in my life like my doctor was like you can't do this you can't do this you can't do this you can't do this and some of the things that he said I can no longer do um were income generators right and they gave me a lot of joy but he was like you can't so my finances took a huge hit right um not only that you know, I had to invest in going to therapy. I had to invest in going to the psychiatrist, invest in these meds. So it was like, I'm going to take this from you and you're going to have to invest in this. Yo, so listen. I was like, why can't you just heal me? Like, why can't you just, I mean, it's easy for you. 
why can't you just heal me, right? Prayed and 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 prayed. Finally, I got to the point, and a lot of people didn't like that I came to this. Got to the point where I believed, and I do believe now, that God um, is not going to heal me of these things. Here's why. Chill out for one second. Just hear me out. Chill, chill, chill. Everybody relax. Okay. I am not saying he's not able. I am not saying he isn't remarkable. He isn't flawless. He isn't lofty. He isn't amazing. He isn't omnipresent and so, so, so sophisticated beyond anything we can imagine. And his thoughts and his plans are mind-blowing and his level of creativity is something we've never seen before his thoughts are not like ours his ways are not like ours and never will we be able to understand until we are in glory and even then it will not matter because we will be in his presence okay so I'm not saying that he isn't able I'm not saying that I'm not even saying that he will never do it I am saying though I do not believe that is in the plans for me And I'm going to tell you why. There are, this is a sinful world. There are things that we're going to have to deal with that make us uncomfortable. Okay. In this life. And for me, I believe that my mental illness, like even that sounds crazy, right? Like my mental illness, like, okay, I believe that even my, even the mental illness I have today, let me say that, the mental illness I ha- illnesses I have today are not for me. They are for me, meaning for me to learn to depend on him for peace and my mind to be regulated and things like that. And But I believe that I'm toting these things to give moms like you or dads like you, whoever who's listening, who's dealing with these things, a a sense of camaraderie, a sense of um, you are not alone, right? Like you do not need to be ashamed. You have not done anything wrong. There is nothing wrong with you. Right. These is it's an illness. It's just like diabetes. It's just like cancer. Um, You don't have to feel like it is your fault. Like you don't have to hide it. You don't have to um, feel ashamed. You don't have to. And if you are saved and you are a believer of Jesus Christ, know this. You do not have to be all right every day. You do not need to be sunshine and butterflies every day. Accept the joy of Christ. Regulate your imagination. Cast down those things. Take on the mind of Christ. But understand in this, if you are someone who who carries this, accept it for what it is. And use it to free someone else. And that's all I'm trying to do. That's it. I'm going to accept this because I think he's perfect, right? Like, and I, if I think he's perfect, how can I think, oh, you made a mistake with this one? 
So some people didn't agree with me and they had, um, they took issue with my saying that. But I absolutely believe that it's made me stronger to accept the challenge to be a vessel to help free other people who are dealing with these things. Listen, I have, I could tell you some of the myths I've heard um, just in, just since I've been, I've had this diagnosis. Like I can give you so many crazy myths. Like one of the most crazy, outlandish, heartbreaking ones uh, I'll tell you before we go to our next segment is this this woman told me her a deacon at her church told her that because she had a mental illness she was a witch now let me we speak so quickly and we're so deep that we hurt people in the deepness of it all and we don't realize it and we're not careful sometimes that is something that caused this woman to turn away and not even try anymore when she and I met I um I could not even um, uproot that, right? Like, you have to go to God for yourself. You have to go to the book for yourself. And you tell me what you found. Like, you got to go. Because guess what I found? When we find it for ourselves, we study it for ourselves, we accept it for ourselves, we accept God who is ourselves, It's not, there's nothing anyone can do about that ever again. No one can uproot that ever again from you. Because his word says that nothing will take us out of his hand, right? So unless we, like, flip out on our own, like, that's crazy. Like, why would you do that, right? Like, <laughs> like why? So I, I mean, that is something so I am very passionate about right now. Just understanding and sharing the freedom and the seriousness and mental illness like I want us to move to where it is a real conversation it's like mental illness is spoken about everywhere else but the church like everyone else has these campaigns and these conferences and it's spoken about everywhere else except the church and the sad part about it is church breeds so many leaders so many awesome people who go on to do really incredible things and we make them feel like what like the things they see is not so or the things they hear they're making it up or how they feel is not important so As we close out this part, I have shared with you where I am. Um, I take about, I think, five pills a day um, to to stay kind of, you know, like normal. I think five pills a day I take. I have my doses are four times a day. 
Um, but I do that. You know, at first, I did it. We're going to have this conversation on another episode. But I did it for my children and my husband and my family and friends. I took my medicine. Right. For my mother, my mother-in-law. Like, I took it for them, right? And what quickly happened is through journaling and through self-reflection, I realized I was grateful for how it made me feel. And I began to take them for myself. With that being said, I honestly do not think, I know a lot of times we, with mental illnesses, we go on and off our meds and we get on our meds for a while and we start to feel awesome. And then we're like, ah, I don't need this anymore. Party. Right. Like (laughs) that is a thing. Um, But I have told people in my corner, like, I never want to come off my medicine. Like, please help me to stay committed to this because I never, I love um, how I feel in taking my medicine. I like that I feel even stable. You know, I don't, my emotions are not all over the place like they um like they used to be like this roller coaster kind of thing. Like one day I feel like this one hour, I feel like this. The next hour I feel like that. Now I will say because of the things I've experienced in the past three years, I am a very different woman. Um, wow, I'm a grown woman. I'm a grown woman. Maybe I can play that for you guys with that in the episode. But <laughs> um, I'm a very different woman. I And it took me, I believe I mourned the old me for at least a year. And when I say I mourned the old me, um, there are so many episodes coming out of this one episode. We'll we'll chalk this up to another episode as well. But quickly, I'll say um, when I saw myself changing from what I thought was changing from pain, um, I mourned that. I mourned that because um, I just felt like I was just, I was so happy with the work that God had done in my life and the the pure light heart that I had. And um, and now I believe that I have, I have not um, traded that pain, right? Like I have not, um, and I, I'm struggling with that and that's something that I'm working on, but I have not traded my pain. Um, I have not... Um, accepted his beauty for my ashes right I haven't made that I haven't cast those cares I have instead I am at a place where right now I am self I don't want to say self-defending that sounds kind of weird right like I am (laughs) I'm guarded I am um I'm prote- I protect myself. One. Two. A lot of things and people I thought I needed, I realized I don't. Um, a lot of people and things I thought loved me and were genuine. And, and I've realized they may, but they don't. Um, they don't fit in my life. And it's okay. Right? Like, um, I was moved by a lot of different things before. I needed a lot of different things before. I don't, I've realized... I don't need those things. 
afraid. Like I don't need, I mean, when I say I don't, I don't need a lot. It's, it's been pretty, um, and I don't know that all of it is good, right? I just know that I'm different. I don't know if this part, I don't know if God will um, change me back to three years ago and I'll be the same lighthearted girl I was um, or if I'll just continue to stay this cold chick that I am now. Like, I don't, <laughs> like, not cold, but I don't know. I don't know what's going to happen, how it's going to go. I do not know. But guess what? I will be recording and you will go through this thing with me. How about that? Uh-huh. So let me let you guys go to, we're going to go, we're going to take a break and we're going to come back and we will get into my pet peeves. It's time for my pet peeves. So tonight, (laughs) my pet peeve is one that I have become familiar with and very frustrated with from having little people. My pet peeve is people talking while the show and our movie is on, but then are quiet and at full attention when the commercials are on. Oh my gosh. So you talk through the whole show, the movie, ask a million questions. Who is that? What are they doing? Oh my gosh, what's next? All of those things. And then when the commercial comes on, you're like, hmm, silent like that. Oh my gosh, it burns me up. Well, it has been awesome, guys. I hope this episode made some sense to you. I pray that someone... Um, is able to be set free from this episode and someone's able to give themselves a break, really. Um, Give yourselves a break. Seriously, ladies, like you are amazing. You are strong. You are diligent and you are capable. So give yourselves a break tonight. Enjoy yourself. Love you. Okay. Good night, guys. Please subscribe, and I'll see you in the next episode.